here this fine Sunday morning. I apologize for the weather being so cold. <laughs> we, we are blessed, aren't we? You know, we, we, someone said, well, y'all are spoiled. And the problem with that is, why? I'm glad to be spoiled. So thankful for all that God does and his graciousness to it. Hey, a little bit different this morning. You got your outlines? I'm going to give it to you right now. Because as some of you leave out of here and you say, man, he missed point or two, and I, I don't think I can be blessed now. I didn't get all the outlines. So I'm going to give you the whole outline. So get, get your outlines out. And uh, what we're going to do after, I'm going to give you this outline. We're going to turn to Revelation chapter 1. We're going verse by verse. We're going to go right through that chapter. I want to give that to you. I don't want you to spend time writing on the outline. I want you to spend time listening to what the Word says to you. But I want you to have this. Okay, the first point is the author, the Apostle John. Guys, go ahead and give it to me. There you go. Man. Oh, that's better up there. That's really small. That's the first point. We'll be talking about that. Uh, we actually talked about it uh, last week a little bit. Uh, John recorded the gospel, I mean, recorded Revelation. Uh, he didn't write it, and, uh, but he certainly did record it and all. The second point, they, the readers are believers. Uh, it's the second point there in your outline, and we'll talk further about that, understanding that uh, the Revelation was written in a way uh, a lot of symbols in the book of Revelation 300, in fact, and they were there basically kind of uh, kind of hide it from the enemy, if you will. You remember where they were? They were Roman. The Romans were in control of the uh, of the area, and uh, if they'd have picked up a piece of material that talked about overthrowing the government, you can understand the problem with that. And so, very similar to when Jesus uh, did the parables. You know, you remember he oftentimes spoke in parables. The reason he did that was because you'd have to have some spiritual sensitivity to understand what he was saying. And so, you know, very simple what was going on here. Uh, the book is dedicated to Jesus Christ, this particular book of Revelation. Uh, we talked about that a little bit. Uh, there's a lot said about, the, the, you know, the beast. Uh, you know, there's a lot said about the Antichrist, the dragon. Uh, you're going to hear all about those type of things there in the book of Revelation. But every chapter... And every, every uh, verse almost when it comes to the book of Revelation is really talking about Jesus Christ. And so that's, that's so very important. Uh, the theme is the return of Jesus Christ. It's not the rapture here. This is the return of Jesus Christ. And uh, he left. This will be happening. This, this is a climax act of the tribulation period. You know. And so this, you know, uh, this is what this is all about. Uh, John talks about what, what John heard. Uh, you know, what he saw, what he did. We'll be dealing with some of those things uh, this morning. Uh, you know, when I think about what witnessing is, and you know, when you try to talk to people about, are you witnessing, are you? And we, sometimes that sounds very mysterious, doesn't it? It sounds almost difficult to do. But really, all a witness is doing is you're telling what happened to you, what went on in your life, and you're sharing that with other people. That's really all witnessing is. Uh, this is what God has done in your life. You want to share with others, and that's, that's what happened here. John didn't make this stuff up. Uh, he wasn't doing something to make God look good or any other way. He was simply giving a report. He was simply witnessing. That, that's what, and you know, sometimes, you know, we, we think this is so hard, but God has placed you in a unique area that you might be a witness. You say, what should I tell him? Tell him what God's done in your life. That's what witnessing is. Uh, then the rest of the outlines, the, we, the things that he's seen, uh, this is kind of the... We talked about it a little bit last week in reference that kind of kind of outlines the word of this book, particular portion of scripture. Chapter one, things that are seen. This is the stuff that's going on right there. Things that are, chapter two and three, and things that shall be. Chapters four through twenty-two. Y'all got that? Let's go home. I've been, <laughs> oh no, I got a long way to go now. 
Now, turn to the book of Revelation chapter 1. We're going to go through there and, and as, uh, as much as we can this morning. Basically, are the revelations being taught at 930. If you want the revelation verse by verse taught, you're going to get it at 930. And we encourage you to come in this, building, this room here. Uh, there's other places you can come. They're teaching very much in detail the book of Revelation. Personally, uh, I'll be doing uh, some of the churches uh, in the next several weeks. Uh, but mission month's coming, so I'll be dealing with missions or Easter's coming, uh, some other things that are happening, and so we'll be talking about some of that. And so every week, if you're coming here at 1030, thinking I'm going to deal with Revelation, probably not. Uh, there will be times that I will. I'll deal with the seven churches, uh, probably a couple weeks on each of the churches. We'll be dealing with that. But basically, uh, I'll be doing some other areas, but that doesn't mean that you don't have the opportunity uh, to come and be involved with uh, studying the book of Revelation. We have very competent teachers that God has given to this ministry. We are, as a ministry, really very fortunate to have the, uh, the talent and the abilities that God has brought into this ministry. And I, I just encourage you, if you want to know more and study more in detail the book of Revelation, uh, I encourage you to be here at 930. That'll be a blessing for you, I know. Are you there, Revelation 1? Get out your Bibles, iPads, phones, whatever it takes. Get it out here and let's go. Here we go. Verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent signifying it by the angel unto his servant John. Now it's important to understand what's happening here. Uh, John is recording this. If you, want to, if you want to turn left to 2 Peter chapter 2, you'll see a further understanding of what was going on, what was happening uh, in, in, uh, in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1 verse, uh, verse 21. He says this, in reference to what was happening here in Revelation 1. For the prophecy came not in old times by the will of man. Understand that. This is not something that man has put together. How did it happen? But holy men of God spake as they were moved upon by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. And so what was happening here was that John was simply recording what the Holy Spirit was telling him to say. Very important to understand what was going on. As we go on to verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. I think it's important to understand that the Bible is saying here that, and it's true certainly of the book of Revelation, but it's actually true of all the Word of God. When you read the Word of God, or when you come to a service, and the Word of God is being spoken and preached and shared with you, and then you take the word of God in and you apply it to your life, you will be blessed. God will bless you. And so that's what he's saying here. In fact, James, uh, again, in James chapter 1, if you want to look at it, in verse 22, we say James, James put it this way in reference to our being attentive. Have you ever come to a service and the speaker was speaking and you dozed off or you, you zoned out? And not while I'm speaking. I feel sure about that. But you've gone to other places, and that's happened, have you, you know? And so, but, and sometimes you, that happens, you don't get exactly what he's saying here, because verse 22 of James 1 says, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. You know, sometimes you're not careful, you hear it, but you don't really hear it. And isn't that the case? And I use this illustration because it's just true. How many times? Have you met someone, they gave your name, and when they turned around, you didn't know what their name was? Are you with me on that? Isn't that true? I mean, you can hear it, but you don't really hear it. 
I mean, you don't process it. You don't bring it in. You know, so it's important to do, you know, you have a, you know, it's very easy to say, well, preach you all do so and so or such and such. You have a job too, amen? You have a responsibility. I'll preach better when you pray more, amen? So you're the fault. I'm feeling better already. <laughs> anyway, so uh, what was happening here, what, what, what James is saying, he, verse 23 of, of James 1 for if any man hear of the word and not be a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholds himself, and he goes away, and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But verse 25, was who, whoso look into the perfect law of liberty and continue therein, he's being a, not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deeds. God, you know, every, when I read in this book, God wants to bless us. God desires to bless us. And the primary way God blesses is in the word. Okay, so that would tell me I need to get in the Word. I need to study the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15 talks about that. You see, the problem, you've got to understand, when Revelation was written, it wasn't sent to the churches to, to satisfy their curiosity about the future. That's not why the book of Revelation was written. That's not why it was sent to the seven churches. He didn't send it to the seven churches and say, well, I know you're all thinking about this. Let me give you some stuff to chew on. Not at all. These folks were going through unbelievable persecution. I mean, they were going through unbelievable difficulty. And the word of God was sent to them, particularly here in the book of Revelation, to, to strengthen them and to give them hope. One of the things we said last week to you, uh, one of the indicators or one of the things that the book of Revelation is known for, it's known to give us hope. We need hope today. And I know that we have, there's a lot of things going on in our world and in our country. Well, there is. And it'd be very easy to look at all that kind of stuff and feel hopeless. Well, if you're looking at that stuff, you probably will feel hopeless. My hope's not in this world. My hope's in what God has going to do and what God says. And that's exactly what he was doing, John the Apostle. He was sharing these things with them and all. I think it's important to see that. Uh, and I know it's difficult to do this. But you've got to come when you read the Word of God. You've got to read it in, in, in awe and in wonder of what God is saying, not simply a student, an academic student. You're trying to dissect this situation. You need to look at this as it, as it really is. This is God's Word. And we need to understand that it's written to us in case to encourage us and it's to strengthen us and to give us hope. Uh, look here. In verse 4, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is, which was, which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And what's happening here, what's going on here, is John's kind of reminded that the triune God uh, will keep them safe. Uh, they were facing fiery trials, uh, difficult times. You know what I found out? When you're facing a difficult situation, whatever it may be, that pretty much gets a hold of your attention, doesn't it? If you're not careful, let's say, for example, you get a phone call Monday, and they, you, they say, hey, you've got a, a problem, physical problem. Immediately, no matter what you were doing, that's got your attention. When you're going through a fiery trial, a difficult situation, a really hard situation, that pretty much has your attention. And probably 
whatever's happening in your life, or whoever's in your life, or whatever conversations you're having, it's going to be very difficult for that not to come back to that fiery trial. That's what was happening here in the book of Revelation. They were facing some really serious problems, and so therefore they wanted the comfort. They wanted to be, to be strengthened. And this is what I, I believe was, was happening here. Uh, verse 5 says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And, of course, there in your outline, we talked about certainly uh, the word of God is, is, is dedicated uh, unto Jesus Christ because he loves us and he washes us from our sins. Uh, verse uh, 6 says, And hath made us kings and priests unto God, and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's a wonderful thing to realize that God has equipped you and prepared you to handle this world. Amen? You know, sometimes we feel so inadequate, and I can understand that if it's you. I do feel inadequate because I am. But hey, that's not where the power comes from. Uh, the Bible says uh, in 1 Peter uh, chapter uh, 1, I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 2, well, I was close there, 2, 9, he says this. This is kind of a cool scripture. Uh, 1 Peter uh, 2, 9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praise of him who hath called you, called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I think it's important to understand this morning that God, <laughs> this is cool, God has, has given you all that you need to deal with this world and to deal with him. He, he said that we are priests, that, that if I have a difficulty or problem, I, I can go to the Lord, and, and I, I can share with him the things that are on my heart, the things that are burdened me, and, and he's equipped us to do whatever we need to do. And, and this is some of the things that John was trying to get across to the people. Verse 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and also all they which pierced him, and all the kindred of the earth shall wail because of him. Uh, even so, amen, verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. You see, what you got to understand, when Jesus comes back, he'll be defeating the evil and setting up his kingdom. Uh, that's what he's talking about here. Uh, this will climax the tribulation period and and certainly, you, we've talked a few weeks ago uh, dealing with the second coming and dealing with the rapture, and we explained some of those things and all about that. And, and one of the things that when I think about this particular portion of Scripture, it kind of causes me to be urgent toward the things of God. Have you got to a place in your life where you're kind of lethargic? You're kind of going through the motions, you know what I'm saying? Kind of playing the game called church. And we don't realize that this is serious business going on. And, and the Bible's talking about him coming back. And, and, and we see that and we understand that. And, and sometimes we just pass by it. And I believe what John is doing to these folks in Revelation, I think he's trying to help them with not panic. This is what bothers me. There's a difference between panic and urgency. Would you agree? You wouldn't agree? Give me an amen. Do you agree? Wake up. So you are that church that falls asleep. All right, guys. Be careful with this. It's easy to cross over to the panic and not be urgent. And you do that because you don't have all the facts. You're not reading enough of the Word of God. Uh, you kind of think the other side's winning, don't you? It looks like it, doesn't it? 
I mean, it looks like it's going to happen that way, but I'm going to tell you right now, it, it's not going to happen that way. God's got this thing handled, and I encourage you to be aware of that and all. In, in fact, uh, we'll get it, look at verse 9. And I'll share, share a scripture in Jeremiah just a minute with you. Verse 9, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation in the kingdom of patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle called Patmos. And the, for the word of the testimony of Jesus Christ, verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice of the trumpet saying, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, which thou hast seen right in the book, and sent unto the seven churches which are in Asia, and Ephesus, unto Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. What's going on here is that uh, up to this point, and maybe even during this point, these particular scriptures, I kind of think John thought his ministry was pretty much over. Understand, he was about 90 years old. How many 90-year-old people are here? You're 90 years old. Come on, Brother Reed, you're 90. How many feel like they're 90? Okay. Now we got it. Now, we, now we're riding down the road, aren't we? Well, John, I kind of feel, you know, you know here, now, you, what you don't understand, John's trip to Patmos. And why John was at the prison island of Patmos. The reason John was at the prison island of Patmos is because he wouldn't die. <laughs> it's as simple as that. He just wasn't going to die. You say, what do you mean? Well, if you're familiar with the Colosseums and all the abuse and torture that the Roman government put toward Christians, one of the favorite tortures of the Roman government was oil. They would boil you in oil. Oil or oral. What's oil? Oral. Okay. And, and so with John's situation, they had got a hold of him. Uh, they had threatened to the Colosseum. He'd been beaten. Uh, he had, um, uh, they, had, they had this big cauldron of oil. Uh, what's important to understand about that is that when they heat that cauldron of oil, are you familiar with three-minute eggs? In oil, it's one minute. That's how hot it is. It's hotter than the water. I mean, it is unbelievable. It's such, it's such you've got to be careful when you boil it because it'll blow up on you and all. And so they had this big cauldron of oil, and, and you know, they, were, they did so to intimidate people. And, uh, and that, isn't that the way the world does? Are you with me on that? The world tries to intimidate. Oh, I'm going to do this stuff to you. You know why I say this? You're not going to do anything to me that God doesn't let you do. Well, there they, we find them there. They're in the Colosseum. They got, they got John the Apostle, and they, they, all kinds of awful things were happening. They already had Saul, a 90-year-old guy. He got assaulted. That's about how old he was. And then... Uh, they, right in the middle there of the Colosseum, I'm picturing, if you would, with me, this great big old cauldron of oil, and they were heating the oil up, and can't you imagine how sadistic that was? They were going to put him in oil. And the, the historians tell us, particularly Josephus, is that when they would do that, they would lead these prisoners up this, uh, up this ramp, getting into this oil, and how they'd scream and yell and beg for their lives because they knew what was getting ready to happen, and they'd throw them that thing of oil, and they would almost die immediately. But something was going on. God was there. And they were leading John the apostle up. And you know what he was doing? He was preaching Jesus to him. He was preaching about God's love. He was preaching about God's forgiveness and all that kind of stuff. And they were leading him up in the oil. They couldn't believe what was happening. What is wrong with this guy? Oh, we'll fix him. And so they threw him into oil. But he didn't die. He didn't get, nothing happened to him. You know what he did? He kept on preaching Jesus. 
They got so mad, they jerked him out of the oil, and they sent him to the Isle of Patmos. You know what he says? Here's, here is what John says about that. Verse 9, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation. That's it. That's it. The oil deal, that's it. The beatings, that's what he says. If it had been me, I'd had a prayer chain going on. Are you with me? I'd have people weeping about, oh, look, what I'd be writing books, how, uh, refuse the oil. The reason I share that with you, I want you to understand who this guy was. This guy was a man. This fella had character. He didn't believe things simply because they were easy. He believed things because they were right. And they had changed his if what you have this morning hasn't changed your life, I don't know what you've got. Because if I read the Word of God, when, you, when God is in your life, things start changing. God starts working in your life. You become a different person. The Bible says you're, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. This is who this guy was. This is this guy that, that was this, this, this all, all he did was a one, two little, three little words, I'm with you in tribulation. He didn't give you the whole story, did he? How in the world could he have that kind of spirit? How could he function at that high level with the abuse he had gone through? How could he stay true to what God has done in his life when he was suffering such affliction, such brutality, such unfairness, how could he do it? Because Jesus was real. It wasn't some religion. It wasn't some game. And because of that, it didn't matter what the world said or did. All that mattered is he get the message out that Jesus is the answer. And this morning, I, I encourage you. When I was preparing for this lesson, and I'm about half done, but I'm, I'm done. And I'll share some of it, the rest of it with you later. That so impacted my life, because I think of the times that I've not really served the Lord like I should because something happened to me. Someone said something bad about me. Have you ever had that happen to you? Someone said something bad about me, or was ugly to me, or wrote me an ugly note. And I do get ugly notes, and I know who sent them. <laughs> My wife knows everyone's handwriting. I love you, but she doesn't. <laughs> just, just want you to know. Say, what do you think about that? Outside of Jesus, no one loves me more than Charlotte. And I'm for that. Jesus loves me. You may be sitting here this morning and maybe you're going through some tribulation. Maybe things aren't going well with your children or things aren't going well with your marriage. Maybe you're heartbroken about what's going on in our country and for some reason you've taken it so personal that like you feel like giving up or you're so discouraged or whatever. 
Can I help you with something? The message hasn't changed. It doesn't matter what's going on in this world. The message hasn't changed. And I'm challenging you. Some of you need to get on board. Some of you need to quit. Some of you need, you may be here this morning, you don't really know Christ as your personal Savior. Really, you know that, don't you? All you know about God, and you may have been baptized, you may be a member of this church, but you don't have the peace in your heart. If you die right now, heaven will be your home. I, I just, I encourage you. I'm not a date setter in reference when the Lord's coming back and all that, or when the rapture's taking place. The Bible says I can't do that because I don't have the freedom to do that. No man actually knows. The Bible says it very clear. But he does say this, though. We ought to be aware of the signs of the times. But you know, I go a little step further than that. You know, what I really want for you guys is to fall back in love with Jesus. Strip away some of the junk in your life. Stuff that's got the predominance there. Fall back in love with Jesus. Cut out some of that stuff that you're doing. Oh, it's, I don't say it's bad stuff, but it's just stuff. You've allowed it to become predominant in your life. You need to fall back in love with Jesus. If we're going to reach this world, we've got to fall back in love with Jesus. And here it is. If you don't feel close to God, guess who moves? He's still there. Where are you?